Welcome to the Direct Response Marketing Magic Podcast. Seth Green is a five-time best-selling author, speaker, and nationally recognized direct response marketing expert who is CEO of one of the fastest-growing direct response marketing firms in the country. To get free access to a download of his new book, Podcast Marketing Magic, and a free live training webinar that will show you how you can use a podcast to attract new customers and referrals like magic, simply register at www.ultimatemarketingmagician.com. On the podcast, Seth brings together some of the most cutting-edge thought leaders in the world to share with you how they grow their businesses and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Hi, my name is Ella Green. The best marketing guy is my dad. First, he helps people with with marketing magic. Next, if you need marketing help, he will help you. Finally, if he is a match marketer, my dad is the best. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I am joined by Ace Chapman from Partners Equity Fund. Ace, thank you so much for joining us. It is great to be here with you, Seth. All right, let's go back in time a little bit. Where did you grow up? So I am originally from Chattanooga, Tennessee. I grew up there, eventually went to school in in New York and have traveled quite a bit since then. But uh, I'm actually, I happen to be back in my hometown right now. Awesome. And what was your childhood like? So um, my parents were in ministry. And, you know, I, I grew up uh, not talking a lot about business, but it was something that I was interested in even from uh, a young age, you know, curious about things like the stock market. We didn't have a lot of books and, and things about that kind of stuff. Everything was really spiritual. But one of the things we did have was the encyclopedia. And I remember going uh, in my dad's ministry's uh, library and reading about, you know, how this thing called the stock market worked and what was Wall Street and, and just having that curiosity. And, you know, my mom liked to tell a story about when, when I was five, she gave me $20 to go pay for my uh, school pictures. And, you know, I'm thinking $20, man, this could buy an infinite amount of candy. So I got to make sure I keep up with this $20. And, you know, I get there, I, I, I pay for the pictures, and eventually, you know, back in the day, took a while for the pictures to come back, and they came back. But I still remember we paid $20 for these things. So uh, we were in church, and I saw her handing the pictures out to people. And, you know, I went up to her and asked her how much we were charging for them so we could make sure that we got the $20 back. And, you know, she, of course, responded, nobody's going to pay for your pictures. Who's going to pay for your pictures? And, you know, I, I, I started begging her to just let me please try to sell them so we could get some of that money back. And uh, that ended up being my, my first business. After a lot of crying and begging, she relented, and uh, I started selling the, my pictures for 50 cents. And 
I was interested in business since then. I unfortunately am not nearly as cute as I was at five, and so no one wants to buy my pictures anymore, so I had to get a little more sophisticated. That is awesome. I also had a young starter successful bubblegum. I bought it retail, broke it up, sold it. You know, I bought it wholesale. I broke it up, sold it retail in school. Uh, yeah. So I did, I, I did not go for the picture fact. I didn't think of pictures. <laughs> awesome. How did you get your start in your actual business career? So I eventually, um, in, uh, while in college, became a part of a stock market simulator. And so while I was uh, kind of using that, this is back in the day, that kind of thing was uh, new, but you could take virtual money and invest it in the real stock market and just see how your strategies would play out and that kind of thing. Uh, but I noticed that the site was always crashing. There were a ton of complaints on the message boards, just people's accounts weren't being kept, kept up with and, and all of this. So as my sophomore year summer approached, I uh, reached out to them to become an intern, and they wrote back basically saying, hey, we've moved on to another project. That's why the site hasn't been uh, kept up. We just want to sell this. Let us know if you know anybody that wants to buy it. And I thought, why not see what the numbers are? And, you know, just out of curiosity, I can learn something just uh, uh, asking them about this business. And uh, so I got the information back and ended up kind of doing my first. I was a broke college kid, so it was a very tiny uh, leverage buyout, but a, a leverage buyout nonetheless, and uh, that got me into this space when I had that first realization. You know, we had, I vividly remember, we closed on a Tuesday. Um, we, uh, you know, the next day the, the business started, was making money just like it was the day before, and I kind of had that realization that, wow, like, I'm making more right now than what a lot of the kids who were seniors were getting out and, and making after paying, you know, the, the school that I went to, 120000 in uh, fees. <laughs> That's fascinating. What, um, how did you go from that to Partners Equity Fund? So after that first deal, it actually didn't end well. So I, I did end up leaving school. I ended up uh, growing that business from 10,000 people, users, to 250,000 users. And then the dot-com crash happened in 2001. And um, I still hadn't really seen the full uh, opportunity that existed with buying businesses. After getting into corporate America, realizing that that was definitely not for me, I was doing mortgages at a bank, and um, they were giving me trouble about hiring people to grow my own team. It's like, you know what? I, just, I wonder if I can go buy a mortgage business. So I went, found a mortgage business, bought that, and um, uh, basically got on the path of buying businesses. And even at that point, I just realized that it was kind of like a way for me to get income. I didn't see it as this uh, career or I didn't see buying and selling businesses or flipping small businesses or doing these kind of deals as a thing just because everybody that, you know, writes books and uh, most of the people that even nowadays are, have blogs, podcasts, uh, all those things, courses, is all about starting from scratch. 
so I just did not see buying businesses as a thing. I thought I had just kind of stumbled into something. It happened to work a few times, um, and, you know, it probably wasn't anything that was sustainable. Um, and then I had a shift that happened. I met a mentor who uh, flipped hospitals, and he kind of took me under his wings and, and showed me the, the ropes of, around buying and selling businesses. And, uh, you know, I started kind of really focusing on that skill set, which you know, I call the dealmaker skill set, and, you know, went and, and started doing larger deals, uh, but also started raising capital, and that's how Partners Equity came about. That is an incredible story, and if it hasn't filled the book, the longer version should. So what does Partners <laughs> Equity Fund do? We buy businesses and partner with businesses that um, have great entrepreneurs leading them, and we feel like have um, uh, opportunity to, to grow bigger. So in some cases, we completely buy the business. Right now, you know, I've done a lot of deals uh, done everything from retail to finance to um, internet-based businesses. Let, here, here recently, we've been doing a lot of internet-based businesses uh, just because the multiples right now are just amazing. And so we buy based on a, a few things. Number one is the income that's being generated. So our goal is to buy profitable businesses based and, and buy it based on a multiple of that profit. So uh, when, when we're looking at a deal, that's a big part of it. And I think for a lot of your listeners, the, the, the big thing is this concept that you can buy income. Uh, one of the, the big lessons that my mentor gave me was I sold a business, and this was early on, I was still thinking, hey, you know, now I've got a lot of capital, I can go and start something, and I had uh, this great idea for a business that, you know, must not have been that great, because I can't even remember what it was, <laughs> but I'm telling him about this idea, I'm waiting to hear his response, you know, he's not really reacting, and I'm kind of watching his face, and he's kind of off somewhere else, not paying attention to me. And I get to the end, really not wanting him to invest in anything, just wanting his thoughts on the idea, and he starts to ask me about my computer. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, man, what, what, what does this have to do with the business? I just kind of spilled my guts on, you know, my next venture, and you just brush over it and you're curious, you want to get some advice on buying a computer. And so he's asked me where I bought it. I told him Dell and he asked me, why didn't you just go and build the computer from scratch? I'm like, I, I don't know how to do that. And he's like, you can go online and, and figure it and learn exactly how to build it. And, uh, I'm like, I, I don't have the parts and I have to do that. It's like that, that can all easily be ordered online. He's like, the real reason that you didn't do that was because you don't want to learn how to build computers. What you want is to be able to use the Internet. You want to be able to use Word. You want to be able to email your friends. Those, that's the real goal. And so what a lot of people are doing right now is instead of going straight to their goal of income in most cases, they're kind of going this roundabout uh, route. And so we all know that the 
quickest path anywhere is a straight line. And that was the lesson that he taught me was that, you know, your goal is to is income. So you don't need to become an expert at Facebook marketing and an expert at uh, email marketing, an expert at picking products and hiring and all these other things that the average entrepreneur has to become really, really good at financial management, creating systems, all these things. You could just go buy something where all of that is right there. So it's, you know, it's the same when we're buying a car. People may not have the money to buy a car, but they still figure it out because they don't want to go and have to build a car. That doesn't make sense. You know, 99% of people uh, don't build their house. They just want a place to live. They don't want to go through and try to deal with that headache. And the, out of the 1% that do build, most of them come back and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have. I'm never going to go through that headache again. So in everywhere else in our life, we buy what we need except when it comes to uh, income. And this is one of those transition shifts that, that took place for me. And so when we're looking at deals, number one, we're looking at the income. Number two, we're looking at the growth potential. And number three, we're looking at the person that, that is going to be driving it. And that could be the current owner. And in other cases, that could be uh, one of our partners who's going to be driving that business. That is a really interesting way to put it and I think a unique spin on it. How do you find businesses to buy? Yeah, that's a great question because – as we all know, the very best deal for anything is never going to be advertised. You know, if I've got a rock bottom deal because I just need some cash for something, I'm selling a Rolls Royce for, you know, $25,000, I need the cash. I just have to call a couple of people. Uh, even realtors who uh, advertise houses, if they get a rock bottom deal that's just an amazing deal, they're going to call some friends talk in the office, there's no reason to put that on the MLS because it's going to be gone. And so we want to get – we don't want to deal with the deals that are on the market. So a few people, very small percentage of the population have ever even considered buying a business. But of that few, most of them just look at what's on the market and uh, get frustrated because those are, are basically the, the worst deals and in this space, more than any other, it's the only space where the owner is actually motivated not to list their business with a broker, not to uh, advertise their business for sale. I mean, nobody has ever gone to a business and out front they've said, hey, the business is for sale. Come and talk to the owner uh, if you're interested. But we see businesses that just disappear, close, and all that all the time but nobody ever tries to sell it, and there are a lot of reasons behind that, and I've seen it. You know, it's amazing. I had a deal that I bought years ago, and we got a lot of traffic from my neighbor who was a retail store, and I sold that business and bought it, sold it, introduced myself when I bought it, you know, kind of said goodbye when I sold it, and it was one of my shorter flips, so it was like six-month period. And so one day I go by and I see her store is closing. I'm like, man, that thing was thriving. I wonder what happened. So I stopped in, go to talk to her. I'm like, what, what happened with the store? She's like, oh, nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to retire. And I'm like, but did the sales go down? Like, why did you decide not to sell it? It's like, no, sales are great. You know, I, I, we, I pulled out about 150 last year. Uh, things were good. But 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sell it. Like, who would want to buy this? <laughs> and it's like anybody looking to make $150,000. So she just threw away, even if she would have gotten 50000 just whatever. Um, she could have gotten a, a good amount. But there are a lot of people out there that they save for their retirement and they get to retirement age and it's like, okay, I'm ready to um, kind of retire now and shut the business down and, and move on. And so we, we're looking for sellers like that. We're looking for sellers that are just really motivated because they have uh, specific situations. Uh, you know, we, we deal with people that you know, may have a, a wife that has uh, or husband has uh, health problems and they want to spend more time with them. And the business becomes a lot less of a priority in those cases. We, we also had a, a deal here recently where the um, person that ran the business had also he built this business to a million-dollar business, but then he built another business to a $10 million business. And the only time you should try to spend very little time on your million-dollar business is when you've got a $10 million business to run. So he came to us and just said, hey, I need to get rid of this thing. I really don't even have time to do a bunch of due diligence, a bunch of training. I need some professionals that can come in here, figure it out, be able to run it, and we've got an amazing deal structured uh, because of that. That is incredible. Now, how are you, after you buy a business, what are you doing to make it more valuable for when you sell it? Um, a, a lot of times it's very low-hanging fruit. You know, we've got a couple businesses that we're buying uh, this month where, you know, one of them has a um, – half a million people, <laughs> and this is the funny story. So they, uh, we were asking them, like, okay, are you collecting emails? And they're like, uh, no, we don't really do that. We don't have a newsletter. You know, people come, they buy stuff. We don't, only, only people we have are our customers, so we don't really have an email list. We don't do a lot of promotions there. They're like, okay, cool. Um, so we're going through due diligence, and we're looking at things, and, and we come across this email database, and there's like 680,000 people in it. And we're like, okay, well, I thought y'all didn't with, uh, collect emails. Like, there's like almost 700,000 people in this email database. That, you know, they didn't try to sell us on or, or anything. And they're like, oh, yeah, so those are either the customers or the banded carts. Um, you know, but those are the only people we really collect. <laughs> wow. The only – so we ended up scrubbing that list. Uh, it was about still a, a good, a strong half – more than half a million people in this email database that wasn't included in that price, wasn't even kind of stipulated. So a lot of times you're getting into due diligence and you're seeing the opportunities that exist. And so anybody who's listening that's familiar with retargeting and uh, yep. even just – simple email follow-up or creating like audiences and, and those kind of things can realize the value of that. And those were buyers, you know, it wasn't even leads. That is absolutely incredible, fascinating interview. For our listeners who want to learn more about your, what you're doing, where can they go? Uh, check out acechapman.com, and then I am, we've got a lot of great videos, testimonials, and, and folks that we've done deals with that are on the YouTube channel, and, and I talk a lot about this stuff, so you can search Ace Chapman in YouTube. Okay, this has been Seth Green with Ace Chapman of acechapman.com and Partners Equities Fund. Ace, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on, Seth. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.